Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor story jumpers welcome to another episode of your favorite storytelling podcast are you ready to hear a great story of course that's why you're a story jumper did you know god made you more than your disease or disability and he has a purpose for you no matter how many needle sticks you might get that make you shout ouch or scary tests that make you want to scream, or cold waiting rooms that you have to sit in that make you feel small. God sees you. He sees your bravery. And He sees the more He created you to be. Enjoy this reading of More Than Your Mountains by Whitney Ward. Did you know God made you more than your disease? You are more than the waiting room, quiet and cold. You are more than the hair loss that makes you feel old. You are more than a CAT scan or an MRI. You are more than each needle prick that makes you cry. You are more than those scary long hospital stays. You are more than the unknown in uncertain days. You are more than the kids who at times say mean things. You are more than your mountains because God gave you wings. You are more than the people who say you cannot. You are more than your illness or a painful shot. You are more than each bruise and embarrassing scar. You are more than all that. You are a bright shooting star. This disease isn't fun. But this peak you can climb. You were given this story. Now this is your time. Do not be discouraged. Say, I will not fear. Shout this powerful message for all people to hear. Your disease didn't beat you. It just made you tough. God made you and said, child, you are more than enough. I'm joined by Whitney Ward, the author of More Than Your Mountains. Whitney, hey, how are you today? I'm good, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh my gosh, Whitney, I am thrilled that you're here. You have such an encouraging spirit. Your story is just one that it just fills me with encouragement and hope. And you know what? Even like a fighting attitude. Yeah, I could see that. Thank you. I, I love that. And that's one of the things I definitely hoped kids would get out of that is a fighting attitude. I like that. So you say for kids, but you know, I, I love this, this little story. I love this encouragement. Who would you say the book More Than Your Mountains was written for? Okay. Well, first of all, The main vision I had for the audience would be children who battle disease. 
because I wanted them to see that they are not alone. And I wanted them to know that God still has a purpose for them despite their disease. I wanted them to feel seen and validated. So first of all, that, that's who it would be for, be for the, the children who are fighting disease. Um, but also their parents, you know, their parents could uh, really benefit from this book because they can see that, you know, be reminded. Because sometimes when you're in it as parents, you want to like shelter and put your child in, in a bubble because, you know, you want to keep them safe. But hopefully more than your mountains shows them as well that God has a purpose for their child and, you know, more than just being sick and taking them in and out of hospital, hospitals, doctor's offices, and to treatments, to procedures. You know, there's more more to them than just their disease. And, and lastly, I really hope that kids who are healthy would read it and it would help them know what their friends who have diseases go through and hopefully foster empathy and compassion mm. and understanding so they know how to be friends to those those children and, and kind of not just cast them aside like I don't really know how to deal with them. I don't know how to speak to them. I don't mm. understand why they have these these uh blemishes, these scars, these these uh things that don't look normal on their body. Um, I don't understand why they have to go to doctor's appointments, why they miss so much school. Um, so I really, I, I really hope it helps them to understand, gain empathy, and even, you know, to ask. You know, I would have loved someone as a child just to ask me, you know, I don't understand Whitney, why you're not in school? Why are why not? Why are you not in school? And, you know, so I could explain that to them and instead of just ignoring me or, or casting me aside. And, you know, what my hope is um, them reading as children, it does grow with each stage where they gain another layer of empathy uh, right, with right. each season of life. So, yes, that, yeah. that's who mm-hmm. I wrote More Than Your Mountains for. Well, that's cool. It's a it's a broad audience. Yeah. You know? But I think it, it, it's written in such a way that it's it's approachable. Yes. It's encouraging for someone who is facing disease in the moment, you know, like they're in there and they need that encouraging word to start, you know, building up their, their courage. Mm-hmm. But then, like you say, for their parents to give them a boost and also for the kids, uh, so-called, you know, healthy kids, um, there's things that they can they can learn as well. Yeah. So, Whitney, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with with a disease you know, and so I'm trying to understand that side of things a little better. What are some struggles or fears or even big hurdles that children with a disease might face? Yeah, I, I think there's several things. First of all, really, no matter your age, whether you're a child or an adult, you always worry about what other people think of you. Yeah. And and that starts as a child, you know, whether they're healthy, but then there's this whole other level when you have a disease, you know, what do they think about, you know, my scars? What do they think about, you know, my blemishes and, um, you know, those spots on my body, you know, uh, I, I don't want to be made fun of. I, 
I don't want them to think I'm weird, you know? So that's the first thing um, that I would say um, that a child thinks about. And then another thing is the fear of being left out Um, because a lot of times we're going to doctor's appointments and treatments and, or we feel uh, extreme fatigue and exhaustion and um, some things that takes, you know, children who have no diseases, you know, just uh, one ounce of energy takes all the energy we have, you know, to do if we have a disease. And while other kids who, you know, don't have disease can handle more than one extracurricular activity, Sometimes it's all that we can do as a child to handle one. And so I think that's huge, the fear of of being left out and also wondering, do we have a purpose? Or are we just going to be the, the sick person our whole life who people pity or coddle or, you know, belittle or think, you know, we're not – we're not competent, you know, that kind of thing. So I think those are the biggest fears that a child a child faces when they have a disease. Gosh, you know, it's it, hearing you speak about um, that from that perspective of someone who is ill or facing sickness or has a disease that they live with and and hearing those um, types of judgment or those types of exclusion that other people put on them, you know, it may not even be deliberate exactly. or intentional, mm-hmm. but people who are healthy might not just not even know how to interact with someone, um, you know, who is unhealthy or has a disease that they're struggling with. What would you say for kids, especially who don't face a disease, what is one thing that they could do for kids who are fighting a disease? Yeah, I I really think the one thing that they could do is befriend them. Stay with them as much as possible. I know it's hard sometimes, you know, because out of sight, out of mind. And that's a lot right. what happens uh, because, you know, we're going to doctor's appointments. You know, we're having procedures and surgeries done. And so we're not always at school. We're not always around them. So it's just kind of easy for them to keep going with the milestones they have and, um, you know, kind of keep, uh, keep the kids who are like have diseases, you know, you know, kind of keep them at a distance and, yeah. you know, cause it's easy, you know, and, um, you know, that's just really tough. So I would say be very conscious when a person with a disease can finally, you know, be included and be with you to reach that milestone, make sure you, you include them and you encourage them and um, talk to them, ask them how they're feeling. What, you know, say like, Hey, I know you go to doctor's appointments. Like what happens at those doctor's appointments? And, you know, why can't you like, why can't you run and play at recess? Why do you miss school? I think asking in a very kind way where you want to be educated and you yeah. want to understand that is huge. So that's, that's what I would say is to keep talking to them, keep investing them in them and show them you want to include them in your life when they're physically able 
to be in your life and have those moments of, you know, not having a flair, having energy, feeling well, because those moments are so few and far between. And, um, and, and it's huge when you feel like someone thinks you matter, even though you have, have an illness that that's, that's something that kids need so 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 much because they feel like they've missed out on so many things and you think that that kids with a disease would feel okay with being approached and asked a lot of questions like Mm -hmm. so that they can um explain what's going on they rather be understood than have things be unsaid and misunderstood exactly i know you know i can't speak for every child who has a disease um because you know everyone's different some children may not want to talk about it and that's that's okay but i know for me if they would have just asked in a kind way uh of course you know like if they would have turned up their nose and you know been really cruel about it like no no i wouldn't have wanted that but in in a very kind way you know and um, just to show that they are compassionate to ask, you know, why do you have to go to the doctor all the time? How, like, why, like, for instance, you know, um, I had an IEP in, in school. Um, and that means an individualized education plan. And um, so one thing that uh, the school provided is two sets of books uh, textbooks that would, uh, one would go home with me and then the other would stay at school, but I didn't put them in my locker. I kept them in each class, um, that, that particular book that went with that class. That way I didn't go like back to my locker to get a book, then back to the classroom, then back to my locker to take that book back to preserve energy because I didn't have much energy. And, of course, like the kids didn't ask me, they just, just, they just thought I was like taking advantage of my illness. So they misunderstood. They misunderstood. So if they would, would have asked me, why do you have to have two sets of books? You know, I would have said, you know, I get tired easily and I don't have much energy. And this is to help me when I do get to come to school so I can enjoy it. I can stay focused and uh, I can learn uh, easy, easier because I, I'm not sapped with my energy going back and right. forth to classroom to locker. And so I just think even something that small, if they would have asked that, they would have had a little more of, you know, of an understanding of, of what I was going through. Well, you seem to have um, like a real grasp on, on this and understanding from both sides of, you know, someone who's healthy and someone who is struggling with disease. What inspired you to write this encouraging children's book? Well, it's it's really cool because, you know, this isn't a book that I researched or had to find out uh, different things about the chronic illness world because I lived it. Everything that I've written about in that book, I lived. And I know how you can feel unseen and you can feel... Like nobody gets it, nobody understands, and especially, especially you know your your peers who are your age. You know, your family always gets it because they're right; they're living with you, yes. and um, and that's great. You know, 
that that your family gets it and that they understand and they sympathize. But what is even better is when the outside world has some empathy and tries to understand. Because when you get to finally leave that bubble of being home and being ill and kind of have some normalcy, you don't want your like authenticity and your, you know, character question, like, is are they trying to milk their disease for all it's mm. worth? Or, right. you know, are they trying to take advantage? You want people, you want people to understand. So, you know, that's, that's why I, I wrote that book because I know what I went through mm. and I don't want any other child to have to go through what I went through. So I, I really wanted to let those kids and, and parents know that they're not alone. I know what they went through, but I also wanted to show the outside world what we do go through so they can understand and be a little more inclusive um, and, you know, compassionate and uh, understand that, yeah, we do have a chronic illness and um, there are times there's when we can't do things, but what you have to understand is when we can do things, when we can venture out of our sick bubble, we might have to do things differently to, to get to our goal. And, and that's, that's one thing pe- uh, kids with chronic illnesses, we are constantly adapting. Um, I, I tell kids with chronic illnesses, you know, there's not just one way to get to your goal to be able to reach your dreams. You might see that, you know, there's a usual way that that people with no illnesses get to that dream or get to that yes. goal. Mm-hmm. But but we can't, and that doesn't mean we can't reach it. We just have to think outside the box, be creative, adapt, and, yeah. you know, it might take a little bit longer um, right. for us, and that's okay. But our disease doesn't count us out. It does not mean you know, we're doomed to a life of just, you know, existing. I want them to know they were created to do so much more than just exist. So that's why I wrote More Than Your Mountains. Can you recall someone specific who maybe spoke a word of encouragement to you when you were a child fighting your disease? And and how much difference did that make that moment? How much did that make in your life? Yeah, well, I... I I love that question because one thing that, uh, you know, society might not understand or see, uh, when you are a child that has chronic illness or, or a disease where you're constantly in and out of doctor's appointments, your doctors become family because you get so close to them. And I, my, my very first, uh, doctor who was one of my main doctors for several years. He was a rheumatologist. Um, I just loved it because he was so invested in me. He encouraged me. Like uh, he would sit me up on the examining um, table and he would say, uh, okay, mom, looking at my mom, be like, you just sit over there don't talk. Whitney and I have some catching up to do. And then he was, yeah, it was so great. And then he would talk to me about how school was going. Um, what, 
what shoes did I buy? Because I had uh, I had a shoe fetish. So did his daughter. <laughs> so did his daughter. So we would talk about my new shoes. Um, we would talk about what's going on in my life. We would talk about my sister. My sister's two years older than me, and we're extremely close. And so we had like a five-minute conversation where we just talked, and it wasn't like I was at a doctor's appointment. I was just catching up with an old friend. Isn't that something? It was. It was the coolest coolest thing ever so when the time came where you know he had to examine me and maybe I had to get a shot or had to get blood work I was you know comfortable I wasn't on edge and it's because he encouraged me and he treated me like a little person first and a patient second and so that's everything when you have a chronic illness and your doctors just go above and beyond to care for you and encourage you. So Whitney, I understand you're somewhat famous. <laughs> I don't know. Are, well, yeah, I know. I mean, when I read this uh, little fact about you, I, I was blown away. It was really cool. And I thought I would just want to know just a little bit more. Okay. I understand you're the first person in the world. Mm-hmm. To be diagnosed with the particular disease which you have. Uh, yes, I was. Yes. And like you even got to name this thing. I did get to name it. It's, so it's, how about that? I know. I it's hilarious because when I tell when I tell new people my story, I'm like, they probably think I'm making this up. <laughs> I'm like, they probably think I am just telling them a story like the fish, you know, like the fisherman where the yeah, fish gets bigger, bigger, and bigger, bigger. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and so I'm like, oh, my goodness, because if, if, if the tables were turned and I was hearing this and yeah. I'd be this legit. So sometimes I tell people I'm like, I promise it's true. Google me. <laughs> You'll see. I'm not I'm not making this up. I'm not feeding you a line. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you if you don't mind, can you share with our friends just a tiny bit about, you know, what yeah. what the disease is named that you are facing and, and how yeah. it's coming along? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so it's it's really cool. I the National Institutes of Health is who discovered my gene mutation and um I, I, I've been reading my book. I've been going on a, a reading tour to the elementary schools. And so I, I have to explain what the National Institutes of Health is to them. So I'll explain um, to our little readers who are listening. Um, but the National Institutes of Health is like the government's like research facility. They yeah. discover new diseases and they discover groundbreaking research on diseases that are already known. And so in 2010, my immunologist at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus sent my case to the NIH. And it was actually for a totally different disease. And he said, you may be getting a phone call from them and, uh, you know, they may want to see you. And the reason why they couldn't just, like, accept a referral from my immunologist is because the NIH runs on protocols and yeah, you have to right. be accepted into the protocol and fit the medical criteria to be able to be seen. So I finally, they, they realized I did meet the protocol. So I was brought in um, in 2011 
um, to see if I did have that disease, which I did not. I did not have the disease I was brought in um, for, but they wanted to keep me. They wanted to figure out if they could what was wrong with me. And, and the nurse that I spoke to in 2010, um, she told me right off the bat, like her first phone call, you know, more than likely we will not figure out what you have. You know, oh. you'll just be valuable research to us. And, you know, I, yeah, I know. And I understood why she said that because I'm sure they have a lot of patients who had hope. Like, you know, I'm going to get a diagnosis because I'm going to the NIH and then they never did. And so I understood why she had to caution um, me with that. But uh, but I just I just had this feeling. I just had this feeling that I was about to embark on the most amazing journey ever. And, and I was right. In 2013, I went for a visit to the NIH and uh, I was introduced to a man who was getting his MD and PhD in immunology at the University of Pennsylvania. And he had came to my main doctor's lab to work on his dissertation. And he was given my case. And he is the one who discovered my gene mutation that was causing my autoimmune and immune diseases. Uh, This disease had never been seen before. It was a brand new disease. I was the first person in the world to be discovered with it. And it, uh, it mutated at some point in my mother's womb. Um, they're not sure when exactly, but they know like I was still, I was still cooking in my mother's stomach <laughs> when, that, <laughs> right. when that gene mutated. Um, and I would be the subject of the scientist's dissertation. So it was so cool. It took, uh, it took a while for them to find anyone else with this disease. And therefore, I was the only one they were working with for about three years. So I developed a really special bond with them. You know, when I first went to the NIH, I was kind of worried. I was like, am I going to be a person to them or am I going to be a science experiment? Mm -hmm. And what I really appreciated is every, every like institute that I've seen there, I am a person first and a science experiment or whatever second uh they they care about you as a person not that you're gonna you know be researched to them and i really appreciated that and they even really respected my faith and i wasn't sure if that would happen going in there and so it was like for me it's been an amazing experience being a patient at the national institutes of health but Anyway, uh, that was just a freebie there. I'll just, (laughs) I'll I'll keep going. But uh, so he discovered it. And um, since I was, you know, the only patient and and developed a good bond with them, um, they knew I was a creative writer. And so they knew I could think outside the box. And so they invited me to help them come up with the name. And the scientist also invited me and my family to attend his uh, thesis defense at the University of Pennsylvania. And um, so anyway, uh, they, they, they caution me, you know, like, Whitney, more than likely we won't choose any of your names, but we want you to be a part of the process. And uh, I, I think why they caution me that they probably wouldn't choose any of my names is because the disease naming process now is very meticulous. 
Mm-hmm. Used to, uh, the disease would be named after the person it was dis- discovered in or the doctor who discovered it. But now they name it based on a acronym, and each letter of the acronym uh, represents a main key component of the disease. Right. So, like doctors, residents, attending, scientists all around the world, if they want to diagnose someone with my disease, which, you know, it's Madge's syndrome, um, they can think like the M. It, the M stands for this. The patient has to have this. The A stands for this. The patient would have to de- have these symptoms. So I think that's why they cautioned me. Uh, more mm-hmm. than likely, you know, we won't choose the name. But uh, the name I submitted that I absolutely loved was Matches Syndrome. Hmm. And Matches, uh, it actually meant more in Latin. How cool. Yes, it meant more than that. <laughs> it was amazing. And I, I loved it because I I know it had to fit the scientific protocol, but I also wanted it to have meaning and depth also yes. attached to yes. it. So mm-hmm. when a person was diagnosed with this disease, they could think, okay, you know, yeah, my disease is a big part of my life, but I'm more than my disease. It doesn't define me. But awesome. yeah, it was so cool. But a step uh, a step uh, forward uh, with this is that uh, it actually references a Latin phrase to the greater glory of God. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I knew you that in there too, didn't you? Yes. Yes. It was so, <laughs> I mean, like, oh, this is perfect. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I knew, you know, I knew that was because of God's glory because, yes. you know, they, they, as they continued with the research in that, like, three years before they found anyone else with Magis, um, they went to medical, like, seminars, and um, they went to uh, medical conferences trying to find someone else with this disease, and, and they didn't for three years, and I guess that's not normal. Usually when the first person comes out and they find that this person has this new disease, other people come out of the woodwork and have it uh, when it's, when it's finally discovered. Um, that's what's normal, but they couldn't find anyone. And so what they're surmising is that most babies are either stillborn or miscarried with matches. And right. so that was really tough to hear. Um, the, the very first patient they found after me was a little boy from Australia and he had just passed away for matches and oh my goodness that was so hard to hear it's like why him and not me but you know like that just gave me the push even more to you know you know make a difference uh you know give gain gain awareness for you know matches and him and, and and you know what what he went through and what it means to have a disease and um what we have to go through and, and that kind of thing. But the coolest part about this is when I went to his name's Ian, um, when I went to Ian's dissertation um, at the university of Pennsylvania, I, I did not know yet what they had named the disease. Um, So, you know, I wasn't expecting my name to be chosen, but I, I wondered if I would, 
find out what they they chose to name it. <clears throat> so anyway, at the end of Ian's um, dissertation, he thanked everyone who had gotten him to that point, but he especially wanted to thank me because he said I understood that all the blood work I gave, all the weird science, uh, scientific tests that I agreed to put myself through would not only help me, but would help other patients that would be diagnosed with Madges uh, syndrome, which he didn't say Madges yet, but, but that would be diagnosed with this gene mutation. And then he uh, bent down behind the podium and presented me with a bouquet of flowers mm-hmm. and a hug. And then after that, that that's when he announced to like all the doctors in this huge auditorium that the name they decided to go with was Matches Syndrome. Oh, man. Oh. What a great scene. That's so cool. It, oh, it was. I mean, like in that moment, the, the closure that just like filled my soul was so, so amazing. And I knew that I had been given this story to share with others that, you know, if I can climb my mountain to make it to the top, so can they. They have a purpose and they have a reason for being on this earth. And, and you know, I, I just knew that that's what God put me on this earth to do. Oh, uh, in that moment. Whitney, that is so awesome. Thank you. Thank you so very much for sharing your story about the struggles that you went through with your own disease, what the experience was like to discover it and name it. And then thank you for encouraging all of us, folks who face a disease or a chronic illness and those who don't, but can step in and encourage others with this great quick read that is just so encouraging. Just thank you so much for all the gifts that you've given to all of us. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun talking to you. I thank you for this opportunity. All right, Whitney. Well, we will talk to you real soon. Okay. Thanks so much. Take care. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Parents, Whitney Lane Ward is a public speaker and writer who encourages audiences to overcome their circumstances. As someone with a disability, It is her wish to give hope to others with illnesses so they will scale the mountains they face. The author's disease began when she was a little girl, so Whitney knows firsthand the emotions and feelings children experience and the frightening unknowns they face. In this book, Whitney encourages every child who's battling disease or disability to see themselves how God sees them and shout the powerful message to the world, I am more. She was the first person in the world to be diagnosed with the disease she has. She also had the honor of naming it. The name she chose was Mages Syndrome. Mages means more in Latin, and she wants everyone who is diagnosed with a disease or disability to know they are more. You can get a copy of her book at her website or by visiting amazon.com.